Hey guys, it's Lauren Schmidt, Director of Ministry at Christ Centered Church, and you are listening to Christ Centered Cast. Luke chapter 13. Luke 13. Luke 13, beginning at the beginning of the chapter, verse 1. Luke 13, 1 reads, There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you all likewise will perish. Or those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Father God, thank you for this opportunity tonight here to look at your word, to hear from you, to have you speak to us. And Lord, I pray with open hearts and open minds and open ears that we would hear what you have for us, and that we would obey. Lord, help us to understand the text. Help me to make it clear. And I ask that it would lead to change in all of our lives, in each of our hearts. And it's in your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So Tuesday night as I began preparing for this particular message, I was looking at different material and looking at the text, when a news report was brought to my attention. And the timing was quite amazing. Apparently on Tuesday night, there was an incident involving a couple of vehicles. One was stopped at an area stoplight here, not too far from this location actually. And the person was sitting there stopped when seemingly all of a sudden another car came up behind them at a high rate of speed, hit them from behind and propelled the car into a nearby tree, which then the car burst into flames killing the person in the car. In the particular news article that I read about it, there was a line that really stuck out to me. It was that the vehicle that was rear-ended burst into flames, and the driver was killed. It was very succinct, very to the point, and very sad. As I was thinking about that, I thought about the fact that that person may have just been on their way home from work, or family's house, or a friend's house. Maybe they had just dropped someone off or were on their way to pick someone up. They were going about the routine of their life and doing whatever they were doing when all of a sudden their life ended. They didn't plan for that. It just happened seemingly in an instant. And it can all be over in an instant, can't it? One minute you're sitting in a car at a stoplight. The next you're sitting in front of God. And we often take time for granted. We just assume we'll always have more of it. 
we don't think about the fact that time isn't guaranteed. We're not guaranteed another minute here in this life. In fact, Monday, the 21st, actually marks for me a five-year anniversary when things almost ended for me five years ago. And believe me when I say, my friends, time is short. It is short. Interestingly, these were also the words of Jesus and the words on his lips when he was here on earth as well. He said, life is short, repent or perish. As we look at Luke 13 tonight, and we look at the text, we see that after spending a chapter warning the people who were listening to his teaching as he was moving toward Jerusalem, he calls them also to notice the signs that the Messiah is here and that the end is near. And he even talks about how when you look at the clouds and you look at the times and you see the skies, you can see when it's going to rain and you can see when it's going to be hot and sunny. You can see these things and you know that when you see those signs that this outcome is going to happen. And yet you don't see the signs of the times and you don't see. It's, it's very interesting. He tells them that and then he goes into an illustration about a person who is on their way to court. And they're being accused by someone. And he calls the person being accused to try to make things right with their accuser before they go and appear before the judge, as they're called. He tells, them to make, tells the person to make things right with their sin, whatever they've done wrong that this accuser is accusing them of, to try to reconcile before facing the judge. And we find as we look at chapter 13, all of that was context and Jesus was building toward where he's going with this particular passage. And in chapter 13, we see at the beginning in the first nine verses of it, how we can, in fact, make things right before we stand before the judge, which can happen in an instant. The particular situation was such that Jesus was teaching the people those principles. He was trying to warn them of the end coming and the impending end of their lives and the fact that they would too stand before a judge. And in the midst of doing that, we see in the text, it says that there were some present at that very time who brought to him some current events and wanted him to weigh in on those current events. It was very interesting that I had read that article and I had planned on using this for tonight for this particular message. And then later in the week, one of the individuals that I work with in social work on my caseload called me to see if I had heard about that particular event because he wanted to discuss with me the implications of what something like that meant. And I used that opportunity to share that time is short, life is short. And he was saying the same thing as he was trying to process it. And these people come to Jesus and they say, hey, did you hear about this terrible current event? And they bring to his attention a situation that we don't have a lot of historical reference for because the Jewish historian Josephus doesn't include it in uh, any of his writings as well. But it was particularly important for this people at this time and didn't seem to go on beyond the 24-hour news cycle. But apparently, at one Passover, when a group of Galileans were offering sacrifices in the temple, for whatever reason, Pilate sent some of his soldiers to go and kill these Galileans. And Luke uses some very poetic words in, to reference this particular event that happened. He talks about Pilate mingling their blood with the blood of their sacrifices. That essentially means that the soldiers killed those Galileans where they were sacrificing. And these people wanted Jesus to weigh in on that and, and to find out what he thought of that and what that meant. Jesus uses an opportunity to turn it into a theological lesson about the brevity of life. 
And he, he says, do you, do you think that they deserve to die in that way or that they deserve to suffer in that way, to go out that way because they were worse sinners than anyone else? And he says, you know, really what's important here isn't how you go out, but, but whether or not you're ready when the time comes to go out. Because it happens to all of us. What's most important is where we are at the time spiritually. He then goes on to tell them and bring another, another current event to their attention. He talks about the Tower of Siloam falling in Jerusalem and crush, crushing a bunch of people. And he says, do you think that they, because they experienced these terrible circumstances that killed several people, that they deserve to die in this way because they were somehow worse sinners than anyone else in all of the city of Jerusalem? And he says, folks, that's not the point. It's not important how you go out. It's important that you're ready when it happens. He says again, he repeats it in this same section. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He then goes on to share a story with them to illustrate it. Because I can just imagine Jesus encountered this quite a bit where he would talk to people, share things with them, and they would probably look at him with blank expressions. Because they just didn't get it. Have you ever had that situation with someone where you're trying to explain something to them and it's just not, you're just not registering. So you try to explain it a different way. And they, maybe they got it a little bit, but you're not sure they truly understand. So then you explain it another way and maybe share a story or a metaphor or analogy. Jesus goes into a story. He tells them a story of a fig tree. He tells them about there's a fig tree that is not bearing fruit. And he goes, the, the guy who owns the tree goes and he checks on the tree to see if it's bearing fruit. And for whatever reason, it's not. And it hasn't for several years. So he goes to the guy to the vine, in the vineyard and he says, look, this tree hasn't been bearing fruit. Should we just cut it down? It's using valuable resources. Maybe it even looks really nice, but it's not doing its job and what it's supposed to do. And the guy taking care of it says, well, let's give it one more year. We'll put extra manure on it funny that there is that extra note in there that Jesus gives us, that Luke tells us. He says, well, we'll give it one more year, and if for whatever reason it still doesn't bear any fruit or give us any fruit, then okay, we'll cut it down. And Jesus uses those two current events and that parable to try to communicate to the people who are there the importance of recognizing the times and seeing the need for making things right with the judge by coming to the Lord in repentance. Because Jesus had come to earth to be that person who was calling God's people to repentance. And I, I think I, when we look at this story, I think it goes back to some of the other vineyard parables that we've talked about before here, where God owns the vineyard. And in this particular situation, I believe that He's calling His people to Him throughout the Old Testament. But then... The guy who is the vine dresser here, he asked for one more year. And I just imagine Jesus being that one, he comes here to earth in the flesh to try to call God's people to himself. And even then, when he's there in the flesh, God's people still don't respond to the Messiah before them. They still don't understand all of the nuances of what it means to have him there. And when we look at this, we see that Jesus again reiterates over and over again the importance of this idea of repentance and that time is short and that 
the end is nigh. You can see it. Uh, he essentially says, you see it in the sky with the clouds and the rain and the sun. You can see it. The times, he set signs of the times. And your time is almost up, he tells God's people. And he still tells us today. But I think as we look at this passage and we look at these two current events, we look at this theological idea that time is short and what really matters is where we are with God and whether or not we've come to him in repentance. I think there are some things that get in the way of us really getting a hold of that, that make us really kind of have a blank expression when we read God's word sometimes or hear these things. And maybe it's an issue of us just simply forgetting some things. Like we've heard this before, maybe we even made a decision at one point in life to repent and turn to the Lord, but life circumstances have popped up, time has gone by, we've become comfortable, complacent, and we've lost sight of the idea of the importance of repentance and why we should continue to repent before the Lord and confess our sins for the sake of fellowship with God if we already know Jesus is our Savior. But then also it could be a situation where maybe you're listening or sitting here or something where you've never actually repented to the Lord and asked Him to be your Savior and uh, called upon Him to follow Him as Lord of your life. We can't take for granted where people are. But there are some things that I think get in the way of us accepting that message of repentance or, or even remembering it. And I think really this passage speaks to that as well. I think sometimes that we forget or maybe don't realize the fate that everyone deserves. And what I mean is by that is simply this. Jesus talks about, he gets to this issue of sin and because that was a, re a really big belief in the, the Jewish system was that uh, people suffered based on whether how good they were before God. So if something terrible happened to you, you were a terrible person or a terrible sinner. That was how they equated it. If good things were happening to you, then you must be favored by God, and everything must be going well in your life. And we saw last week when we looked at blessing and what that means, being favored by God. That's not at all how things are, Jesus says, right? Because being favored comes from listening and obeying God's word. But the Jewish system said, if you suffered, if you got crushed by a building, or you were killed by some soldiers, then you must have been a terrible sinner. And that, that's how they reckoned that. And I think sometimes even today, we get caught in that mindset where we look at someone's life and we see the things that they're experiencing and based on whether those things are good or bad according to us, we assign some kind of spiritual meaning to that. Rather than getting beyond that and remembering that that's not how Jesus works. That's not how repentance works and that's not how heaven works. But when we get caught in that mindset... And it's kind of a worldly mindset based on a flawed justice system. We lose sight of the importance of repentance. Because we don't carry a repentant heart when things in our life are going good, right? We just go through life. We just take those good opportunities as they come, often for granted. And we just move through life forgetting about the importance of maintaining our fellowship with God through confessing and repenting of our sin. Even after we have a relationship with him. Because we're told in 1 John 1, 1.9 the importance of confession and repentance and being cleansed from our sin. So I think the first thing that gets in the way of us in having an attitude and a heart of repentance is we forget that everyone deserves essentially to have a building crush them. We all do. I mean, that's very blunt, I know. But that's the reality of what Jesus said it, not me. No, essentially, we all deserve that. 
And if we don't have that happen, it's by the grace of God, but it's certainly not because we're a good person in any way. We forget that. That's what we deserve. And we're told in Romans, for all of sin, it comes short of the glory of God. No one is righteous, not one. None of us. But what makes us right with God is repentance. And like we looked at last week, hearing the word of God and obeying. So we forget that, that everyone essentially deserves to be crushed by a building. We also forget the brevity of life on earth. We do forget until we hear things like cars being crashed into each other and terrible things happening. Until we hear those things, we don't stop and go, whoa, life is short. We just assume that we have tomorrow. We make plans like we have tomorrow, and we should, because the Bible does tell us to plan, but it also tells us to do so according to God's will, and should He allow it. We don't think in those terms. We just assume that we've got tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, and on. But we're not guaranteed that. In this particular situation, I don't believe that those Galileans were planning on getting killed by those soldiers when they went to the temple to make their sacrifices at Passover. I don't think that the people who were there at the tower in Salome knew that that was going to be the last day that they would walk the earth. The other night, the poor woman who was in her car, either coming or going somewhere, had, probably had no idea that that was going to be it for her. And I had no idea five years ago, as I sat at my desk at work and was on my way to the gym, that that would be the last time that I would exercise in that way ever again. We just don't know how much time we have. It can all be over in an instant. And that's what Jesus wants them to understand, but we forget it. We take time and we take life for granted. We forget the fate that we all deserve. And we forget the brevity of life here on earth. And we lose sight of, ultimately, the importance of repentance. We lose sight of the importance of repentance. Of turning from whatever it is whatever sin we're involved in, and turning to God, because that's what repentance means, to turn away from or to, to move in a different direction. The direction is away from whatever it is to, uh, and toward God. We lose sight of, we, we forget the importance of repentance, and that's what Jesus is stressing here. And I think even sometimes when we talk about salvation and have talked about salvation for the last several decades, we, we've turned the idea of coming, we soften the idea of coming to Jesus and what that means. Maybe we've made it about a prayer. Maybe we've made it about joining a church. Maybe we've made it about doing good things and just assuming that we're on the right track. We've softened what Jesus is saying here in the Gospels. We've turned it into something that it's not. We've gotten away from salvation being about repenting and turning from your former life and your sin toward the Savior, to follow Him. To receive forgiveness from Him. To be cleansed from Him. That's repentance. That's the essence of salvation. That was God calling His people to Himself through His Son. And I think sometimes we've lost sight of that. And that's what we see in the Scriptures. That that's how we know that we're saved. When we repent from our sin and turn to the Lord. So what do we do with that? What do we do with those things that I think get in the way of us 
realize, or forgetting rather the importance of the message that Jesus is giving us here in Luke chapter 13. Well, I think one of the things that we need to realize as we look at this text and we look at what Jesus is saying through these two examples in the story is that no matter how much we try to avoid it, death, physical death, comes for us all. Now there's an important distinction to make here in the text when he talks about repenting and perishing. When Jesus is talking about perishing here, in this particular context theologically, he's not specifically talking about our physical time here on earth. He is speaking to what Scripture calls the second death, the spiritual death. And repentance keeps us from the spiritual death. It, it brings us to life with God forever. Because like Jesus said here, with these two accounts that happen in the story, we're all going to die. It doesn't matter how we go out. It matters that we're going to and where we are when we do. And we spend so much of our time in life trying to avoid that. We spend so much of our time trying to avoid the first death, the physical death. And man, if we all spent that much time trying to avoid the spiritual death and trying to help our family and our friends and our loved ones and the people in our communities try to avoid that second death, imagine what the world could be like. What our families and our homes and our communities could be like if we invested as much energy that we do in the first death of trying to avoid the second one instead, the spiritual death, being separated from God forever in hell. We spend so much time and money and energy on exercise and eating right and a healthy lifestyle and trying to get enough sleep and all of those things, which are all good things, but they don't last forever because death, physical death, comes for us all. And we need to think about that. We also need to think about something else. We need to think about the fact that whether it's five minutes or 50 years from now, it's never enough time. Because again, death comes for us all. We need to remember that time is short. That we're not guaranteed another minute. And we don't know how much time we're going to have with the people in our lives. And maybe you're sitting there going, I don't know how I could speak to this person or that person in my life to help them understand, well, we can't. We don't have ever the right words, but the Lord does. The Holy Spirit does. And even if we don't feel like we can converse in such a way that persuades that person to turn to the Lord and believe and repent from their sin, the Holy Spirit can do that work. And the one thing that we can do, we can always do this, is we can certainly pray for them. And we can communicate that to them. That we are, in fact, praying for them because we do love them. And we don't know how much time we have or they have or anyone has, whether it's five minutes or 50 years. But no matter what, there will be an end point. There will be a time where there will no longer be a decision. Death comes for us all. And the last thing, really, is what we've been talking about all along here. The last thing that we can do with what we see here in Luke 13, 1 through 9, with these two accounts in the story, we can communicate, well, we 
first of all, can accept ourselves and then communicate to others that if we choose to repent of our sin and turn to Jesus Christ as our Lord, that means a complete life change through Him. Not an instantaneous life change. We change instantaneously on the inside. But the reality is there may be ingrained habits, patterns, and things that in our life the Holy Spirit has to renew and work on and help us to grow through. But there is an instantaneous change on the inside through the Holy Spirit. If we choose to repent of that sin, to turn from those things, to turn to the Lord, we can be ready for death when it comes for us all. There's a choice. We can avoid that second death. We can have a rebirth unto life in the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit working inside of us. That is salvation. That's what it means to be born again. That's what it means to be saved. Maybe you've heard that terminology before. That that's what it means. It is recognizing that we are on our way to hell, that we are separated from God, that we are an enemy of His, but because He sent His Son Jesus Christ to die for those sins that we're supposed to turn from, to make the choice to turn from, He died for those sins so that we could then have that relationship with God the Father restored, so that we could have our sin dealt with before we get to the judge. And if only we will church choose to make that decision to turn from our sin and turn to Jesus Christ. If we will do that, we can be born again and avoid that second death because death is coming to all of us. Physical death, the first one. That's what Jesus is trying to tell God's people there. You guys have seen the signs of the times. You're not right with God. You need to get it dealt with before you appear before him. You don't know how much time you have, but time is running out. I think it's very interesting that he uses, he uses in this story the three years. The three years that this plant is not bearing any fruit. The plant looks good, but there's just no fruit to show for it. Much like the Jewish religious system. One more, just give them one more year maybe. Maybe they'll, make, maybe they'll turn, they'll choose. But we know how that story ends. So what does all of this matter? What are the implications of making that choice to repent to turn from our sin and to be made right with God. Well, the first implication with that choice that you have to make tonight is to repent while you still can. If you have never done that, if you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've never made that choice to confess your sin to Him and acknowledge that you are a sinner and that you do deserve hell forever, if you've never made that choice to accept that, recognize it, and make a turn from it, through Jesus Christ, then you, you have to repent while you still can. But maybe you're just you're sitting there and maybe you made that choice a long time ago, but you've drifted. We can all struggle with that from time to time if we're not careful. And we don't stay prayed up, as they say. And what that means is constant communication with God, confessing your sin. And asking forgiveness, not for salvation after you've done it once, because once saved, you are always saved, but to maintain that right relationship with God, to make things right with Him continuously. Repentance is still a part of the Christian life. The Christian life is still a turning from those things that would take us away from God, because that's Satan's primary strategy, is to find things to distract and derail us from our relationship with Him. So repentance is a lifestyle, it should be, for all of us. Because man, I would like to know that I am right with God when I go to see Him. Because can you imagine how awkward that would be? 
If you're just living not for the Lord, even though you have a relationship with Him, and then boom, it's over, and you're standing in front of Him, and you're like, ah, yeah. So I was actually going to, you know, try to make things right with you, but I was really busy. I had things that I was trying to do, and I planned on it. was on my schedule. If you're on C, if you look on my calendar, it was right there, make things right with God. That would be awkward. I want to know that when I go before the Lord that I have things right with Him. Maybe I've known Him for a long time, but I want to make sure that we're good when I go to see Him. Repent while you still can. The other implication is this, if you choose not to, because God gives us a choice. He's all about free will. Well, if you choose not to, Jesus tells us right there in the text, you perish forever. That's second death. That eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Repent or perish. That's what happens to those who never accept Christ. If you're out there listening and you have the choice, God gives you the choice to repent and turn to Him and, and you go, I'm not, I don't do that whole God thing. I don't, don't believe that. There's lots of other gods out there and I don't know who to choose. And there's a million th- things you can say. You are still making a choice. You're making a choice to perish forever in a place called hell. And you don't want that. And anyone in your life who loves you and cares about you doesn't want that for you either. So the first implication is you can repent while you still can, or the other implication is to perish forever. But there is one third one, as I was looking at the text that jumped out at me and I thought about it. This really is ultimately, because we have this idea of Jesus where he's this really nice guy who goes around and he helps people and heals people. That's what a lot of people think about Jesus, because that's all they want to hear about him. They don't want to hear all the other stuff about him, all the the tough stuff all the really loving stuff. But this text right here, these nine verses are Jesus essentially giving God's people, Israel, and us today an ultimatum, right? We as people don't tend to like ultimatums, do we? When people try to give us ultimatums, we bristle at that a little bit, right? But Jesus gives these people and us ultimately an ultimatum. He says, do this or that will happen. And what we need to remember is that when we're talking to people, about Jesus Christ and about salvation, about all of these things, we have a responsibility in going and making disciples, as we see in Acts, to go out into the nations and make disciples. We have a responsibility to carry the Jesus ultimatum with us and to share that with others. Now, we do have the opportunity to point out the fact that this isn't, isn't necessarily us who are giving them this ultimatum. It is ultimately the Lord because he can do that. And, of course, we can do that in a way that's loving and kind, and we should. Let me stress that for those of you out there who just love to go blazing at people. A lot of people don't love, they don't love that. But there is a way to share the gospel in a kind and loving way that does still point to the, the Jesus ultimatum. Because that's a very real thing, and it's important. People need to realize that we have two choices in life. And if we don't choose one, then there is a consequence. But if we do choose one, there, well, both of them have consequences. And we have that responsibility to carry that message with us. And as a church and a community and a ministry, a Christ-centered community, we, I always encourage people to go forth and preach, teach, and reach others. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. There's an ultimatum, repent or you'll perish. So the question is this. First, as you listen to this text and you listen to this account from Jesus, in his ultimatum, ultimately. Are you certain of your repentance? Are you certain that you, at one point or another in your life, recognized your sin, 
and turned to God and to Jesus Christ and asked forgiveness for that sin and gave your life to Jesus Christ? Are you certain of that point in your life? If you're not, there's nothing to be ashamed of and probably the best thing that you could do would be to do that today. If you're not certain, be certain. Because you know what? Even if you did and maybe you forgot for whatever reason, God's not going to hold that against you. However, if you're not certain and you don't, that could be pretty bad. So if you're not for sure that you've repented and you've given your life to Christ and you've repented of your sin, do that today. Make certain. If you have, and you are certain, you do know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've turned to Jesus Christ at one point or another in your life and asked to be forgiven for your sin and you have a relationship with God, where are you with that today? If you went from here today and that's it, you're now in front of God, would it be awkward? Or would it be a time where you're like, all right, yes, I was ready to go. And if you don't want it to be awkward, maybe there are some things in your life or maybe an attitude or a habit or a behavior or a pattern or whatever that you need to confess. And God's just waiting for you to do that because he wants to be right with you too. And I encourage you to do that. Make that recommitment tonight or today or wherever you are. And then if you have repented, if you are good with God right now, have you been sharing with others the Jesus ultimatum or have you been sleeping on it? Because it can be very easy to drift into complacency and forget the purpose that Jesus Christ has for us here. But God wants to give you the courage to share it with others. And I wonder if it isn't exactly why Jesus did that. So when we talk to people, we don't have anything to be afraid of. We can say, you know what? Jesus said this. He's just told me that I need to share it with others. I believe it, and I, I love you, and I, I, this is what he says, so I'm just asking you, consider it, think about it. Ask God to give you the courage to do that, to share that ultimatum with others as he brings them into your life. Let's pray. God, you created us in your image, and you made us, and you know how we are as Mankind is sinful. We're born in sin. And if we don't make a choice to turn to you and repent of our sin, we die in it. None of this is a surprise to you, God. You, you know how we bristle, bristle at ultimatums. But God, thank you for this message. Thank you for Luke 13, those nine verses. Thank you for knowing that it is that clear cut. That we have a choice to either repent or perish forever in the second death. And God, I do ask that if there's anyone who's listening to this, this message, your word, that if they haven't made that choice to turn away from their life and turn toward you and to give you their life, to get forgiven for their sin and cleansed from it, I pray, God, Give them the courage to do that. Help them to do that through your Spirit, through your Holy Spirit. And God, I also pray for all those who are listening who maybe have just kind of gotten into a rut in life or have drifted away from why we're here and why 
you've chosen to save us. I pray for those who are just kind of, even though they have a relationship with you, God, aren't really living in it. And I pray that you would give all of us as believers what you have. I pray that we would choose to continuously repent, to continuously confess our sin before you. Not to be saved again, but to be right with you. So that when we do, in the blink of an eye, stand before you, everything will be good. I pray, in closing, God, that you would also give us the courage and the boldness, especially, particularly this time of year in the Easter season, to share this with other people, to share this with our loved ones, our friends, our family, the people that you bring into contact with us, that we would share your ultimatum so that they could understand that they can have the hope of a relationship with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Give us that courage and that boldness, but doing it in a loving, kind way that reflects your Son. And I pray that you would bring people to yourself this Easter holiday. And that maybe you would even use some of us who are listening here tonight to do that. Please give us the courage and the boldness as we go forth to preach, teach, and reach others. And it is in your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name, we pray tonight. Amen. God bless as you do go forth and preach, teach, and reach others for Jesus Christ this holiday season. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.